Well, this is my first time that I can remember preaching to a camera. There's only three members who are actually here this morning. And I'm, I'm realizing that one of the things that I miss is coming up and looking out and seeing a couple hundred smiling faces. That's just one of many little and big things that I'm missing on Sundays. And it's also one of many things that cannot possibly be reproduced until we come back together again. So this, what we're doing here, this is not a substitute in any way or a reproduction in any way. I'm not even sure it's a good alternative in any way to the church family gathering together on Sunday and worshiping together. But nevertheless, we're doing this so that I can continue to feed you God's word and so that we can have some sort of a connection and maintain some sort of fellowship with each other. We are under a a strange providence from God. God is obviously in control of all things, including what's happening right now. Uh, and, and we are not, Hebrews 10, 25 talks about not forsaking the assembly of the church. It says, do not neglect meeting together. And that's not what we're doing. We don't want to not meet on Sunday. We don't think that meeting on Sunday isn't important. And so we're willing to let that go. No, out of obedience to our government who has asked this of us, and out of love for our neighbors, we are simply avoiding human contact right now. And we're doing that so that we can slow down the spread of this virus. I suspect that one of the ways God is using this providence is to increase in all of us Uh, a desire to be together again. I suspect that when we are able to come together for public worship again, that there will be a new appreciation in our hearts for what it is that we do on a weekly basis. And I think God is cultivating that now. So let's not waste this time. Let's use it to build anticipation and hunger and thirst for when we get to see each other again. And in the meantime, let's continue to make the best of it Before getting to our sermon text and sermon, I just want to make a couple of announcements. First, uh, because we are physically separated in this time, let's keep in touch on CCB. Uh, Let's keep in touch on Facebook and maybe other ways that you have in place. I've already posted several updates regarding COVID-19 and our response to it, as well as a video devotion, and there will be more to come. And then second, some of you have asked about communion. You know, what do we do? We take communion every week as a church. We're not able to do that now. Should we be meeting in homes and doing that? Should we take it as a family? Well, because communion is a family meal that is to be taken when local churches gather together, we're just going to have to forego it at this point. That's not something we're happy about, but again, 
It's just something that is not possible. There's no substitute for that. It is another part of our fellowship with one another that is going to be providentially hindered at this point. God willing, it won't be long before we're together again praying and reading, singing, and taking the Lord's Supper together. So for this sermon, our text is Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, and we will be taking a break now from our current sermon series on the Holy Spirit, which was taking a break from our sermon series on Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And this morning, we will be considering the problem of and the biblical solution to anxiety. And then next week, God willing, I will begin a short series that can be paused at any point if we're able to then meet together again on prayer. So that's the short-term plan. Today, a sermon on anxiety. And then in future weeks, a sermon series on prayer. Now, you might be asking yourself, why a sermon on anxiety? Why now? No. None of you are asking that question. All of you know exactly why we might listen to a sermon on anxiety. Unless you're living under a rock somewhere, you know that we live in anxious times. For me, as I scan the ways that people are reacting to this current situation, anxiety seems to me to be the most prevalent. So, it would be good for us, I think, to pause and to go to God's Word and to see what He has to say about our anxious thoughts. So I'm going to pray before we move on. Father in heaven, by your Holy Spirit, would you enable me now to preach your word so that I could learn and love you more. And as people listen to this or watch this, will you reveal yourself and your truth so that they would love you more? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're listening and have a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 6. Again, the text today is Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. This is the Word of God. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the Word of God. If you're taking notes, there will be two headings today. It's a very simple outline. Let me give it to you now. First, the sin of anxiety. That is true. Anxiety is a sin. Not all anxiety, but some, and we'll clarify that. And then second, the solution to anxiety. The sin of anxiety and the solution to anxiety. So let's begin with the sin of anxiety. The Greek word that is used in Matthew 6 and many other places in the Bible is merimnao. And here is, in my humble opinion, the best definition that I've found. This is anxiety. Anxiety is an intense desire for something coupled with a fear that you won't get it. Anxiety happens when intense desire and fear meet. Now, a degree of anxiety over certain things is understandable, and it's actually even healthy. You might be anxious about your job, about your spiritual health, about unsaved friends and family, about your marriage, children, education, money, relationships. Some people could stand to be more anxious They are not concerned enough about important things. They may even spiritualize laziness by saying things like, let go and let God. Using God's sovereignty as an excuse to do nothing and neglect responsibilities. They fail to understand that the Bible merges human responsibility and divine sovereignty. For example, in wonderful texts like Proverbs 21, 31, the horse is made ready for the day of battle. That's human responsibility. And yet God is sovereign, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So if that is your tendency lack of responsibility and concern over certain things, it may be good for you to to get out of the clouds, to see clearly, and to cultivate a healthy fear, a healthy pressure, and a healthy anguish. Here are four examples of healthy anxiety in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 11.28 And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. 2 Corinthians 11, 2-4 I feel a divine jealousy for you, for I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. 1 Thessalonians 3.5 For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear 
that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. In Galatians 4.19, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Did you hear what these verses have in common? Paul, in these texts, he is anxious. He is very concerned for salvation. His intense desire is the salvation of others. And his fear is the damnation of others. And anxiety happens when that intense desire and that fear meets. And it motivates him to good things. It motivates him to pray and to preach. That is healthy anxiety. Healthy anxiety is a degree of concern over certain things like COVID-19. Healthy anxiety is a degree of concern over certain things that pushes you to Christ. It doesn't push you away from Jesus. It pushes you to Him. And that healthy anxiety is not usually the anxiety that you and me deal with on a daily, day-to-day basis. Okay. So we have established that there is biblical example of healthy anxiety and that most of the time when the Bible uses this word merimnao, it's not referring to that healthy anxiety, but rather the sinful anxiety that you and I might struggle with, especially in times like these. The Bible makes clear That there is anxiety that is sinful. That means it is wrong. It is offensive to God. Which is why there are verses in the Bible that prohibit anxiety. Verses like, here's two from our text today. Matthew 6.25 Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. In verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. And here's one more, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Those are commands, Christians. We are not to be anxious in that way. Well, why not? Why not? What's the big deal? Why is this kind of anxiety offensive to God? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Let's try and understand what this anxiety is and why it is sinful, why it is offensive to God. Let's pick it up in verse 25 of Matthew 6 where Jesus is preaching. Here's the command. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? That command that Jesus gives, look, it began with the word therefore. 
That means that there is something Jesus said right before this command that is the foundation of this instruction. So let's back up and look at the verse before. Verse 24 of Matthew 6. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, do not be anxious. So put those two verses together. Matthew 6, 24. You can't serve two masters. And Matthew 6, 25. Do not be anxious. Anxiety may drive you to serve two masters. Sinful anxiety does drive you to serve two masters. If you're anxious about food, if you're anxious about drink, if you're anxious about shelter, if you're anxious about your physical health, if you're anxious about clothing, if you have an intense desire for these things and a fear that you will not get them, then you may not trust and submit to God, but serve rather money and serve the accumulation of wealth. So while wanting to serve one master and serve God and submit to God and trust God, that intense desire and fear may lead you to not trust God and to devote and commit yourself and submit yourself and serve the accumulation of wealth and money. What's happening then? You're serving two masters. You may fear losing control and so you become controlling. You may fear losing a child, and so you become over and unreasonably protective. You may fear failure, and so you don't do anything. You may fear being unloved, and so you distance yourself from people, or you hide who you really are from people. You may fear this pandemic. You may fear this pandemic. Your thoughts may be sinfully anxious. You may be consumed by fear. And so you lose sight of the mercies of God. You lose sight of the daily graces from God. You lose sight of the gifts of God. And you become consumed by fear and worry. Christian, the two masters that you are trying to serve when you are anxious are faith and fear. When you are sinfully anxious, the two masters that you are trying to serve are faith and fear. I want to trust God, but I want to control the situation. I want to have peace that God will do what is best, but I'm not sure He will. I want to believe that God loves me and has a plan for my life, but I don't. 
This is to be anxious. This is unbelief. It is faithlessness. It is a lack of faith. We're getting to the heart of why this anxiety is offensive to God. Why it is sinful. Jesus makes the point that this is a lack of faith clear in verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? See there what he calls the one who has an anxious heart? He calls them, O you of little faith. Sinful anxiety is a lack of faith. Sinful anxiety is unbelief. To be anxious is to deny God's power. It is to deny His goodness. It's to deny His wisdom, His love for you. To be anxious is to forget your identity as a chosen, adopted, and deeply loved child of God. Do you believe that God cares for you? Do you believe that God cares for you right now? Do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that God orchestrates all circumstances for His good and the glory of His people? Do you believe God is working for your good right now? Anxiety is sinful because it answers all of those questions with no. No. In this moment when I am sinfully anxious, I do not believe that God cares for me. I do not believe that God is in control. I do not believe that God is working all things together for good. I'm struggling to believe that. I'm struggling with faith and giving way to fear. Anxiety is sinful because it is a form of unbelief. Well, that's the sin of anxiety. So what is the solution to this? Is there a biblical remedy? There is. And Jesus introduces it here in our text. So let's move on now from the sin of anxiety to the solution of anxiety. And let's begin in verse 26. Look is the first word. Look. That is a key word. That is very important. When you are in the throes of anxiety, you need to look. You need to get the your eyes off of the object of your anxiety. Whatever it is, and you need to fix your gaze and fix your focus and fix your eyes and the eyes of your heart and mind on something else. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
So follow Jesus' remedy here. There are anxiety-battling truths here that we need to be reminded of. And we just read the first one. God cares for you. That's the point that Jesus is making. God cares for you. Why are you anxious? God cares for you. Are you not, he says, are you not more valuable to God than birds? He's asking that question literally. That is a rhetorical question. The answer is obviously, yes, you are more valuable than the birds. God cares for you, and so he's going to provide for you. And so Jesus tells us to look. This literally happened to me just yesterday. I was feeling some anxiety yesterday. I had read a few articles. I had watched the news. And I had listened to one of my favorite political pundits. And I found myself getting consumed by news about this pandemic. And my thoughts were growing anxious and I was starting to become fearful. And then I literally was handed a gosling. Now, for those of you who don't know what a gosling is, that's a baby goose. My son Peyton last week ordered 10 goslings. Actually, I think he ordered them a couple weeks ago before any of this got as nearly as bad as it is today. They were delivered to the post office yesterday. He went and picked them up, and we have these 10 beautiful little goslings at our home. And you know what happened when I, I held that little bird and looked at that bird? I forgot. I forgot about all my fears. And I thought about this reality that we're being taught by Jesus right here. And that is, look at this baby goose that God cares for, that God provides for. Look what God does for these animals and how much more valuable are you? And how much more valuable am I? It was a good reminder. It helped me to look away from the object of my anxiety and to be reminded that God cares for me. Verse 27 and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? In other words, nothing good comes from this anxiety. It doesn't add to your life, doesn't take away from it. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Many of you are probably anxious about basic needs right now. You're growing more and more anxious. What should you do? Jesus says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith. There it is again. God cares for you. It's the same thing. Jesus is reminding us. 
Take your eyes off the object of your anxiety and be reminded that God cares for you. You parents who have little children, you parents who are loving parents who care for your kids, how strange would it be for your little child to fear about shelter or to fear about food or to fear about clothing? And how strange it is when we grow anxious before our Heavenly Father. That's the point that's being made here. We have a Heavenly Father who is in control, who is good, and who cares for you. And He will care for you. By the way, what does a parent instinctively do when... His or her child is fearful. We reassure them. I'm here. It's going to be okay. Daddy's not going to let anything happen to you. Do you see? What does God do? Reassurance. It's going to be ultimately okay. I'm here with you. I am in total control. I love you. And I'm working for your good. Verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For... The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And again, He commands, verse 34, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What is the point that Jesus is making? You can trust God. That's the point. You can trust God. He is able and He is willing. It is good that God is in control. He loves you and He will do what is best. And that truth is like the stake in the ground that keeps us from being tossed by the winds of anxiety. And so, Psalm 56.3, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 94.19, When the cares of my heart are many, that's anxiety, when the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Okay, here is what Jesus has done. He has given us the truths to battle this anxiety. God is God. That's one truth. God is in control. God is mighty. God is God. And the other truth, God cares for you. 
That God who is the maker and sustainer of heaven and earth, that God, He knows you and He loves you and He cares for you. So those are the truths that Jesus equips us with to battle our sinful anxiety. Now, how do we use those truths? How do we actually use those truths? So in conclusion, let me read you two more verses that were written later than Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, and so they were built on His words. We're going to go to Philippians 4, 6, and then 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. How do we use the truths of Matthew chapter 6 to fight anxiety? What do we do with these intense desires that often turn into fear? Well, Philippians 4, 6, it, it works on some low-level anxiety, reminding us of the sinfulness of anxiety, and sometimes that's enough. Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So this provides an alternative to anxiety. We pray. Take your fears and concerns and present them to God. And for some of you, and much of the time, that's about all it takes and you're back in shape. A reminder like Philippians 4, 6. Hey, do not be anxious. It's wrong to be fearful and anxious. You very easily could stop trusting God. This is unbelief. This is a lack of faith. Stop it. Do not be anxious about anything. And then it gives you an alternative. But rather, present all your requests to God. And a lot of times, that, that may be all it takes for a Christian. But what about more intense desires and fears? What about those fears that are abiding in your life? Turn to 1 Peter 5. And let's read 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. We have here what's in Philippians 4 plus additional help. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. So prayer is here again. Cast all your anxieties on Him. As well, the truth of Matthew 6 is here because He cares for you. But there's also something else, and it's very important. The verse starts with actually the only command in these verses, and it is this Humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What should I do when I am sinfully anxious, when I'm being overcome or overwhelmed with fear? According to Peter here, humble yourself. That is, remember who you are and remember who God 
is. You may need to confess your anxiety. That would be humbling yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You may need to confess it as sin. You may need to admit that you have been wrong or faithless or unbelieving. The counselor and author Ed Welch, he has said that he often offers up prayers like this. Father, forgive me for always wanting things my way. By your mighty hand you have created all things. And by your mighty hand you have rescued your people. I want to live under your mighty hand. Please have mercy. In his book, When I Am Afraid, he goes on to write this. Humble yourself before the Lord. This shouldn't be too difficult. After all, he is God and King, Lord of all. He is the creator. You belong to him. The creature is the possession of the creator. Humble yourself before your king. And here is one way to express this newfound posture of humility. Cast your cares on him. Did you catch that? When you come humbly before the king, he reveals his unlimited love. Who would have thought? He actually wants you to cast your burden on him. You were never intended to carry those burdens alone. He is the mighty God who never leaves. You can trust him. And this casting is no mere act of your will. It comes as you know that he is God and you are not. Oh, and you can be sure that he will lift you up from your kneeling position and give you more than you ever expected. Here is the truth put before us through Jesus and Paul. What is the truth, according to Jesus, that our anxious hearts need to hear? God is mighty. And God cares for you. God is in control and God loves you. Those are the most important truths to remember when you are anxious. And then here is how we respond with those truths. Not with anxiety and unbelief, but in belief we humble ourselves we remember who God is and who we are. We confess our lack of faith. We cast all our cares on God or we cast all our anxieties on God and we trust Him. So put simply, we remember that God is in control and He cares for us. So we humble ourselves before Him. We cast all our anxieties prayerfully on Him. And then we trust Him. Back to the truth. And we trust Him and Him alone because He alone is mighty and 
He cares for us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you heavy today? Are you burdened today? Go to Jesus and find rest and peace and refuge in Him. Or, and in conclusion, Psalm 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit through which Jesus is with us now as our comfort and strength and encouragement. We pray, God, that in this time of uncertainty, in this fearful and anxious time, that you would cause us to humble ourselves before you, to cast all our anxieties on you and to trust you. And to trust you because you are mighty and because you care for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.